0: an uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them who listen and care
1: and guide and help whose way of being in the world inspires who uplifts with humor and understanding who leads by example don't judge vulnerable bold Determination. Who are
0: here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. I found the life that I liked and I worked toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah, big love.
1: I would say one woman who has really inspired me is Terry Tomoff. She is the author of The Focus Fight. Her son is a cancer survivor, five times, and I met her through a writing group, and she is just amazing, inspiring, a go-getter, a mover and a shaker. I mean, she just, she really inspires me, and I'm so blessed that our
0: paths have crossed. Welcome to the Uplifters podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas, and today I get to introduce you to Terry Tomoff. Terry is an author, a wife, a mother, a chief caregiver, a hope provider, an entrepreneur, and lifesaver. For over 24 years, Terry has advocated for childhood cancer awareness using hope, gratitude, and love. Welcome to the Uplifters, Terry. Thank you so much for hosting me and having me today. Your son, Ryan is a five-time cancer survivor.
1: How old was he when
0: he was first diagnosed, Terry?
1: He was diagnosed at age two in 1996 with acute lymphoblastic leukemia with CNS, meaning cerebral nervous system involvement. So that meant meant he needed to have cranial spinal radiation at age two. They don't like to radiate anyone under age four. So it was a difficult (laughs) time. in our lives at that point. Yeah. So you find out your baby,
0: mm-hmm. who is a baby. He was. For all intents and purposes, has cancer. What was your first response to that?
1: I was in a pediatric office in Annapolis after I gave the symptoms of, I thought he had an ear infection and a low grade fever. And then I started adding more things, and then she starts looking at his body, he had the petechiae, so the blood, you know, uh, was going throughout his body, so it makes little dots on his legs and on his back, some bruising. He said, she, she said, you know, I'm just going to, do you mind if I do a pinky stick, like a pinky for a little blood sample? And I'm like, sure. I still had no idea what she was going for. So she took it, and she was gone for an hour, and the whole place, like, emptied out. There was, like, nobody around. And she came back, and she said, Your son has leukemia and you need to get to Georgetown University Hospital as soon as possible. I'd light flight you down there because he was internally bleeding, which we would never know. He went from happy active kid at eight o'clock in the morning to four o'clock. He had four IVs in all four limbs down at the hospital. So it was a wild ride. And I remember saying, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do everything in my power as a mother, as a caregiver to save this kid's life. And I didn't know what I was walking down. So that was like my first experience. My four-year-old daughter Olivia was four at the time. She's thirty-one now, but four at the time. So they were both with me because we were supposed to go to Olivia's swimming lesson. And I was tapping my fingers like, "Well, we got to get out of this office because we got to go to swim lessons. We have swimming lessons. We never got out. Of, we never went to the swim lesson."
0: <laughs> One of those tr- moments that truly changes everything.
1: Oh, it did that in that instant. Yes, it changed my whole life in, in that instant. Really, St- sit, and she took me actually out to her office or the office that's in the satellite office. And then the kids went with another nurse or staff member to watch the Disney music m- movie that was on. And then she told me it was like a sledgehammer. Somebody just took a sledgehammer over at the top of my head. Yeah. And then I said, she goes, do you want to talk to your, should we call your husband? I said, Oh, absolutely. I go, but I won't be able to talk what you just told me. Do you mind doing the talking? And she did. And she did a beautiful job. And I just said to my husband, Bill, we'll meet you at home in an hour. And we'll go from there. Now, mind you, we just moved 10 weeks prior to this. My husband started a new job in Washington, D.C., so we didn't really know anybody. I was just kind of learning my way around Washington area in the suburb, you know, Crofton that we were living in. And uh, I had to ask my neighbors if they could watch our dog and my daughter, my four-year-old, and I'm going to call my parents to see if they could fly from Cleveland, Ohio, where we both moved from, to Maryland. And they did. And I had to call my sisters to tell them, you got to talk to mom and dad about what's going on. But they just still, and they still didn't even really know what was going on. And I didn't get home for 35 days. They were already at the house taking care of my daughter and the dog and everything else. And I couldn't get out of that hospital for 35 days because that's how long it took him to get into like a a little bit of a remission so he can go into the next phase. So that was really crazy. My mother's called me, do you think you could go home? Your daughter really misses you. I said, mom, I don't know not today. I'm not sure about tomorrow. It was minute by minute for a lot of the time. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable.
1: My son relapsed three times and then two adult cancers, three-time leukemia, two-time tongue cancers. Yeah. He was age two when he was diagnosed and 10 when he had his transplant. So eight years worth of leukemia treatment. We lived in the hospital for eight years practically.
0: And with that many relapses, do you ever get over feeling like the other shoe is about to drop?
1: Every day. It's, it's bubbling under my fingertips at all times. He just had a doctor's appointment for, with his uh, maxofacial surgeon on Friday, this past Friday. And we walk in there, you know, I mean, I have to carry myself, right? But I'm, I'm practically on the ground because I'm hypervent- almost hyperventilating sometimes, thinking what are they going to see now? You know, yes, absolutely. But- we live the best we can. Every day's a gift, and we just keep living and doing our thing every single day. And that's what, and I have to manufacture my sunshine. So I manufacture sunshine all the time.
0: How do you do that?
1: Well, I love to quill, I love to run. I'm a, a referee, a soccer referee, so I ref a lot of games. I always had books with me. Or, you know, writing instruments, of course, I photojournaled Ryan's whole journey. That's how I was able to write the book, The Focus Fight. And I was able to do that because we couldn't control a lot of things that was happening with his body. But we certainly can control our notes. We can control that camera. And we felt autonomy over that, right? Wow. What was the impact on your
0: family of this prolonged journey of extraordinary highs and lows with cancer?
1: My daughter, Olivia, she played the role of the perfect child. So she got straight A's. She played soccer, you know, went all the way up, played division One. She was a regional player. So we had the highs of her playing and winning soccer games and getting on better and better teams, you know, as, as the years went by and playing in college and then have my son on the other end. You know, you're waiting, you're, you just don't know what's going to happen day to day, minute to minute sometimes. So we had that, you know, balancing act. I still believe it was the friends and families and the communities that we were involved and engaged with, that kept the impact at more of a, hopefully, a status quo. My husband and I, Bill, we have a solid marriage, and when life got really tough with our son, then Aziza Shah, Dr. Shah, said to you guys, "Have to find other people to prop you guys up." And he, you know, he's he's a twin brother; he's got an identical twin. He's got a couple of good sisters, you know, he's got six sisters. So they, we talked to him. And then, uh, you know, my sisters and my, some really good friends, they prop me up. So then we can prop each other up as we're going through Because my husband had to work to keep the insurance, to keep this whole thing going. <laughs> they keep the ball rolling down the road, right? With all the treatment and everything. So we're very lucky that he worked for an organization that supported that for us. Yeah,
0: definitely. That's such a good point too, about the need to be propped up by others.
1: We had some really hairy moments that we needed that extra because I'm an extrovert, car carrying, by the way, and my husband is an introvert. So he processed things differently and the impact on him was different than the impact on me.
0: In your case, you were literally in a life and death battle to save your son. How do you take care of yourself?
1: Well, being in the hospital was tough, but when I was home going out for a run, if I can run with some of the doctors who were runners, I would run with some of the residents. We'd do a five-mile loop around like the Lincoln Memorial and then come back to Georgetown. It was a five-mile loop. I could tell you all the loops around there. And having a friend to talk to, a friend to laugh with, multiple people to laugh with. Having that glass of wine every once in a while with somebody, a friend, just to knock it around a little bit. And to actually to hear stories about my friend's kids, the good, what was going on in their lives forget about me. I want to hear the good stuff and people would be afraid. I don't want to really say anything because, you know, everything's going good. Yes, I want to hear that good. So that was another really big one for me to hear about the good stuff happening with all my my nephews and my nieces and my friend's kids. What what, what were they up to? Because that was that gave me hope, inspiration that, you know, maybe we'll get there someday.
0: What do you believe is the best way to show up for somebody who's going through something like this? If you want to be a friend,
1: I think you need to ask the families if you, how much you can help. I think a lot of people, people want to clean the house inside and all that. And I just recently figured out in the last five years who cut my grass for all those years. <laughs> Somebody used to come in, I mean, our grass would be cut. You know, my husband would come home or I know, you know, did you cut the grass? No, but it's cut. I'm like, okay. I finally figured out who it was, but guess what I do? I go when I know a neighbor or something's really not doing well, I go and I, and the, you know, I get my mower out and I go and cut the grass. And I say, shh, tell people, don't tell them I did this. I don't want anybody to know. So it's a pay it forward kind of thing. If they have dogs or young kids, take them to practice if you can. Walk the dogs if you can, water them, walk them, whatever you can do. Maybe even take the car for a car wash. They're going back and forth all the time. Nowadays, gift cards, practical. I always tell people too, you can't underestimate the power of a chocolate chip cookie or a tray of brownies. <laughs> and if the family can't eat it, those residents and those nurses are going to eat it up. And actually, cards and letters coming to us were a big help because my son, when he relapsed three times and we knew we were going for a bone marrow transplant, my husband came up with a brilliant idea because my son is a huge sports nut. Why don't we send an email to all our friends and family and have them send a postcard of either their hometown, their mascot at the, the local college, any sports stadium. It got spread across the world, this email. We even got, so we got jerseys, soccer jerseys from Argentina and Brazil from the teams. It got into the hands of uh, President Bush. They sent a picture and signed from Barney, his dog. We had over 2,500 postcards and gifts sent from all over. So, because Ryan quit talking, that postcard project really helped him. He was able to connect on his own terms. It was so powerful. Just think about that. He's laying in bed, can barely open his eyes, but he's opening these letters from all over—people he knew and people he didn't know—telling him how much they loved him and that were rooting for you. So, isn't that going to help his whole body? That's going to change the chemicals in his body. Mm-hmm. If it didn't change us and our chemicals, certainly change his. Did that help him survive everything? Maybe. Terry, we hear in your story,
0: the power of humans supporting humans. Yes, absolutely. And I hear the ways that you have both given and received that support. Sometimes I think, especially as strong, capable women, it can be hard to ask for or accept
1: support. Initially, we we're like, oh, I think we can do it over here. And then you just wave, you're waving the white flags. You know, how many flags can I wave and say, I, I'm not, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, you have, to, you have to pick your poison. You have to realize what you can and can't do. My two main missions was, of course, Ryan and my daughter, Olivia, and keeping her safe. And, you know, I missed her first day of kindergarten because I was with Ryan. And I mean, you know, I have a good relationship, but I know there is some, you know, I mean, he got all the attention and sometimes still does. Mm-hmm. But she's been our, his biggest cheerleader, and he's, and she's been, he's been her biggest cheerleader in every endeavor of life that they've been through together and apart. So I will say that. But, yeah, going back to the asking for help, yeah, I, I was okay with that. And I will counsel people. I ask for the help. It's okay. You can give back eventually. And my husband and I, we can't give back enough today. We'll live our rest of our days trying to help other families. There's a term for it called post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth is not for everyone. But when people go through tough situations, like a war veteran, a car accident victim that survives, maybe a quadriplegic, but if they want to give back and do things good for humanity, that has a name for it called post-traumatic growth.
0: And it sounds like you all are just such a powerful unit together. And I'm picturing you as four legs of a stool. Yes and tilting the weight as needed so that the person who needs the most support can have that support and you've shared in so many ways how each of you has lent attention and energy and support to one another yeah through this truly extraordinary
1: and difficult journey yes and that four-legged chair reminds me of how, what we call it, like the team approach. And when my husband and I got married, we just took a team approach. We were both college athletes being on teams. And we thought, well, we'll just be the united front, team approach, and it served us well. So when Ryan got sick, we just went right into that team spirit, team mode, cheering each other on, cheering Ryan on, cheering our daughter on, whatever it took to be that team, to be strong. Because you're stronger together, right? So
0: one of the things we like to do at the end of each episode, Terry,
1: is to
0: take a moment for ourselves. Our audience is made up of people like you, people who take care of others, who do so much for other people. And in the busyness of caring for others, it can get really difficult to just take a moment for ourselves to reset. And so... I want to just invite us to take a moment together. Absolutely. Terry, if it's okay with you, I like to do it by bringing one hand to my heart and one hand to my gut and closing my eyes. I find that really centers me. And I root my feet to the earth and elongate my spine. And uplifters, wherever you are, assuming you're not driving. Go ahead and with your eyes closed, just enjoy a few deep cleansing breaths. And as you do, maybe you allow your shoulders to soften and release. Notice anywhere in your body that you might be holding tension right now. And as you breathe, imagine that releasing from your body, creating a softness. Allow your breath to deepen on each inhale and lengthen on each exhale. And thank yourself for all you do every day for those you care for. And thank yourself for showing up for yourself today. When you're ready, go ahead and open your eyes. It's a lot to carry, girlfriend. Yes. But we are carrying it together. And to all of you uplifters, I hope you hear in Terry's story a charge to ask for support when you need it, to give support where you can, and to remember the extraordinary power of human connection. Let's keep rising higher together. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the Uplifters in your life and then Join us in conversation over at the uplifterspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah. Big love. Painted water sunshine with Rosemary and tongue. Dwell in not perplexing, though you find it vexing Toss a star and hover Be your own best lover Relish in a new prime Plant a tree in springtime Dance with idle hindsight Bring the sun to twilight Lift you up, whoa Lift you up, whoa up lift you up lift you up Course, uh, right? Uh-huh. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, That's stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing <laughs> the peace.